Welcome to Crop Watch Podcast, a production of Nebraska Extension. Welcome to the Crop Watch Podcast. I am your host, Melissa Bartles, a water and integrative cropping systems educator with Nebraska Extension. Today, I will be joined by Extension educator Nathan Mueller, and we will be talking about soil fertility and winter wheat. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing, Nathan? I'm doing great. I'm inside uh, out of the snow today. So, yes, we probably forgot what that looks like. We haven't gotten much this winter. Yeah, and actually that'll feed into what we'll be talking about today uh, a little bit in terms of uh, soil fertility and winter wheat. Yeah, so as most of our producers know and are probably a little worried about, for those of them that grow winter wheat, we haven't had much moisture and we didn't have much last fall and we have barely had any this winter. So are there some key nutrients that we need to focus on, especially in our winter wheat production in the eastern part of Nebraska, given how dry and open this winter has been? Sure, no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think the key nutrients in winter wheat are the same every year, but there's obviously interaction with the dry weather we've had. The key nutrients are nitrogen, phosphorus, sulfur, and chloride. Those are the, the big four that I focus on with winter wheat growers in eastern Nebraska, south central Nebraska. In terms of the weather, uh, this past fall, especially early winter, we did see some phosphorus deficiency in winter wheat because of the, the dry soils. A lot of nutrients, you need water to be able to take those up in, in decent amounts. And so we did see phosphorus deficiency. And that looks kind of, it's almost flashing or, or orange tissue. It can become purple, but actually that orange colors first. So I did see phosphorus deficiency as well as nitrogen deficiency, especially where the soybean residue was a little bit thicker but that's not uncommon on the nitrogen side. Yeah, it's interesting to walk out into a field that has kind of a purple hue to it, as that's not usually a color we see in our wheat fields. Are there any suggestions you have in regards to nitrogen management in our winter wheat, especially given where nitrogen prices are and going into what could be a interesting year given fertilizer prices and high commodity prices, but also a little harder to get a hold of some of those nutrients. Sure. Yeah. On nitrogen management, first there's about over 30,000 acres of winter wheat in Eastern Nebraska, about 10,000 of those acres are in Celine Jefferson Gage where I'm, I'm located. And nitrogen management, I just had a talk with a producer today. I always start people that are new to growing winter wheat, which there's been quite a bit. Um, the past two years is about hundred pounds of nitrogen per acre applied, hundred pounds of, of fertilizer nitrogen applied. That's a good starting point. We have on-farm research studies as well as small plot research studies looking at that, but it's around hundred pounds, but it could be as high as 150 pounds or as low as 50, but hundred is a good place to start. And then another question then because besides rate, okay, so we're shooting for hundred pounds of nitrogen, maybe up to 120. I would say that's the range a lot of producers are in that have been growing winter wheat um, timing. Should we put that all on last fall? Do we put it all on this spring during greenup? Do we wait and hold some of it prior to jointing or even put some on late at flag leaf? And so we have um, looked at nitrogen timing studies at University of Nebraska-Lincoln, Lila Puntels, one of our soil fertility extension specialists, as well as Bajesh. Um, and I was a part of that research study, but Maharjan, Bajesh Maharjan out in the Panhandle. So here in Eastern Nebraska, we had multiple locations and putting all of those, all of that nitrogen on actually in the spring at Greenup 
gave us the same yield or more than putting it all that nitrogen on in the fall. So I definitely leaned, if you're doing one application of nitrogen, put it all on in the spring at green up. We did look at split applications. So one third in the fall, two thirds in the spring. And again, that was similar to all in the spring. So what I tell growers, both based on experience and information from K-State is we need a little bit of nitrogen in the fall for that winter wheat. A lot of that can come with your phosphorus fertilizers, such as MAP, which is 1152, 11% nitrogen. Usually that's enough in the fall. And then the remaining balance in the spring. So you might have 10, 20 pounds in the fall, and then you come back with, you know, 90 to 110 pounds in the, in the spring. One suggestion I have, if you were one of those growers that planted after seed corn, after alfalfa, where you were able to plant that winter wheat on the earlier side, and we definitely had a warm fall uh, this past year, if you have a lot of vegetative growth and tillers on that plant, those would be the fields I wouldn't be in a rush to get out on this spring. Let those sit a little bit and maybe wait until early April, but definitely prior to jointing and wait on those fields because you can push wheat too much too fast. You get excess vegetative growth and increase the chance of lodging. And that's always the balance with nitrogen at high rates is increasing lodging, especially with the moisture we get on average um, in Eastern Nebraska. Now with the dry weather, there's probably a little less risk uh, of that being an issue as of right now, but weather patterns could change. Great. Is it too late to apply phosphorus to our winter wheat fields in Eastern Nebraska? Yeah. So because we had some phosphorus deficiency this last fall that we talked about with the dry weather, there was an opportunity with the open winter, put some of that phosphorus on that still may help. But unfortunately, the key time to get that on was at planting because that early phosphorus uptake really does help with the amount of tillers that we get with winter hardiness and that early vigor. Uh, so we've missed the prime time. But if your soil wasn't just a environmental slash nutrient management interaction where it was dry, that's why you didn't have the phosphorus, but you just have low phosphorus. Let's say your Bray P is five part per million. I would still try to get it on as soon as you can, because you're probably still going to see a yield response if you're that deficient. But if it was just due to a combination of being maybe say 15, 20 part per million, Bray P, and it was just maybe more a combination of being slightly low on, on that soil test, phosphorus fertility, and the dry weather. I don't know if it's that big of a deal. You might just wait and put that phosphorus on this next fall and your next wheat crop. You mentioned sulfur and chloride. Why are we or should we be concerned about those nutrients in particular? Yeah, I think producers and industry are pretty keyed in on sulfur the past couple of years because we've cleaned up you know, coal firing power plants reduce the amount of sulfur that's we're getting from atmospheric deposition. And actually the biggest change in atmospheric deposition of sulfur is in Southeast Nebraska where I'm located where we used to get quite a bit and get quite a bit less. We're out in the panhandle. Uh, they were always low on getting that and, and they still are. So we've seen sulfur deficiency in a number of crops, including corn, including actually even soybeans now, even though fairly minor and localized but sulfur is one that shows up in wheat quite a bit. It's really started back in 2011 in this area in Southeast Nebraska. Randy Pryor started seeing it, my, my predecessor, and actually in Northeast and North Central Kansas even before that. So we, we're now at over a decade of seeing regular sulfur deficiency in wheat in Southeast Nebraska. And so when you see those types of severe symptoms, uh, there's going to be some yield loss as well as a response to sulfur. So my recommendation is to put on 
10 to 20 pounds of sulfur per acre. You can put that on a number of ways. Timing, similar to nitrogen, fall or early spring, either one is a good option as long as you're using it in the sulfate form. So ammonium sulfate, calcium sulfate, which is called gypsum, that sulfate is going to be readily available to that wheat crop right away soon after application once we get that moved into the soil profile. Elemental sulfur, on the other hand, requires warm weather, moisture for microorganisms to oxidize that sulfur. And so that can take several months and it's just too cold in the spring when wheat's really growing, that doesn't work very well. It's fine for corn because we have, that's a a summer annual grass crop, but it's not a good choice for winter wheat. So unless you applied that elemental sulfur to your previous soybean crop, maybe last spring, it's too slow. So definitely focus on the sulfate forms. There are some discussions of nitrogen to sulfur ratios is something that comes up a lot about usually you hear 10 to one. So if you put on hundred pounds of nitrogen, uh, 10 pounds of sulfur, I don't think that's a bad guideline, but I wouldn't get stuck on just a 10 to one. If you know, you've seen sulfur deficiency, you if you only put 10 pounds on, it still could be, you have a few spots where maybe you needed 15 or up to 20. So you can kind of dial in if you want to start with 10, 15 pounds. And if you think that's sufficient, that's fine, but you can always increase it. And a good way to test that long-term is actually through on-farm research. So if you want to know how sulfur is helping you out in terms of yield, you could always have some with and without strips of sulfur, but you could also do a rate study where you maybe had 10 versus 20 pounds of sulfur and some strips across the wheat field. And that sulfur is important in terms of both protein which is something that we get at at market, but it also improves the quality of wheat that we consume. Actually, there's a compound in there called acrylamide. And when we're short of sulfur, there's more of that in the grain. So, and that's a probable carcinogen. So there's both opportunities for yield and improvement for consumers of wheat by adding sulfur in our wheat crop here in Eastern Nebraska. Some great information on sulfur. What do we need to be thinking about when it comes to chloride? Yeah, chloride is probably a nutrient that you don't often hear about or think about. It is one of our macronutrients, particularly in corn, grain, sorghum, and wheat. Um, They have seen chloride responses in Kansas. Out of all of those crops, I would say wheat's the most responsive based on our neighboring land-grant institutions. Actually, Kansas State and South Dakota State both have chloride recommendation for winter wheat in both states. Uh, Nebraska does not. And we just haven't done the research here in eastern Nebraska or in Nebraska on chloride. I think back in the 70s, they did some chloride work in the panhandle. Didn't see a response. Surprise and a huge surprise because K-State has shown that most of the responses they were seeing chloride in wheat were in central and eastern Kansas. And so Dorvar Rizdiz was my advisor for my PhD program down at K-State, did a meta-analysis. And so that's looking at a whole bunch of different studies and then kind of rerunning the data from multiple uh, site years across studies. And he came up with, when he did that meta-analysis, an 8% yield increase with chloride application. So if you're talking almost 10% of 80 bushel, you're talking almost an eight bushel yield increase, just some rough math there. So Where do you get chloride is the first question I get. And I always remind people potash, which is what we use for potassium fertilizer is potassium chloride. And so it's a readily available dry fertilizer that has 45 to 50% chloride content in that potash. And so it's similar to sulfur. The rates are pretty similar. Our soils are low in chloride. I've taken soil samples the past couple of years in Eastern Nebraska. They've all come back below four part per million, which is low by K-State 
interpretation. So the recommendation would be 20 pounds of chloride per acre. So you're talking 45 to 50 pounds of potash product to get that 20, 20 pounds of chloride. And so, you know, if it's ground you own already, a little bit of potassium, putting that back isn't a big deal because you're still removing more than you're putting back. So it's not a bad investment there in the long run. So how much of a chloride issue do we have? That's something I was curious. I knew we had low soil test chloride. So this last year in May of 2021, I did a flag leaf nutrient analysis survey. So right before those ons pushed out kind of at FEEX 10, I just took the flag leaf It's fully developed by then and took enough of those flag leaves in different fields. So I did 30 fields and had a sample of flag leaves from each of those 30 fields, sent those into Ward Labs and then got those back. And out of all the nutrients out of those 30 fields, the, the highest percent that came back was those fields or those, those wheat pants being low in chloride. 33% or 10 out of those 30 fields were low in chloride. And I know some of those fields that I took samples from had chloride application on them from some of those growers. And those were fields that came back fine in chloride. So by adding chloride fertilizer, that 20 pounds, those fields all came back sufficient for chloride, whereas some of these other ones weren't. So if I would have had been recommending chloride, I think it would have been much higher, probably over 50%. So that's one thing. Timing again, is that something you should have put on last fall? Is that something you put on this spring? It's something you can still put on this spring, similar to sulfur, similar to nitrogen. It's mobile in the soil. So putting on potash, that chloride is going to be available to that plant when it needs to. A lot of that is coming, and since your background's pathology, Melissa, is an increase overall in plant health with having sufficient amount of chloride in that plant. So just reduction in overall or suppression in fungal diseases like tan spot, leaf rust, stripe rust. You know, diseases are one of our big challenges in eastern Nebraska with humid climate. So I think that really poses definitely an opportunity to adding that to our fertility program in wheat. But it's also an unknown. We don't have all this replicated small plot research. I think producers could do a lot of this on their own through our Nebraska on-farm research network. So if you're interested in doing with and without chloride strips yet this spring, you can always reach out to me and we can help you set that up and we can quantify that with yield monitor data this summer. All right. Is there anything else you want our listeners to know about, especially going into the growing season? We're here in March. It's going to be here before we know it. Yeah, I think several things. One, I always encourage growers, spend a lot of time uh, creating a page dedicated to winter wheat on my croptechcafe.org website. So if you go to croptechcafe.org and then go over to crops is one of the drop down and go down to wheat, you'll find a lot of resources there from economics to videos to handouts on the benefits of winter wheat in terms of soil health, taking a stand count. If you're concerned about your stand, there's a, there's a handout on that. Also a winter wheat seeding calculator for this coming fall. If you were wondering where you need for be a seeding rate, I have an Excel calculator, but also information on varieties, you name it. I have built up that website because that's a strong resource for growers in Eastern Nebraska. And you can always give me a call last year at about 200 calls on winter wheat from growers across Eastern Nebraska on a range of topics from what we're talking about today on soil fertility to to all things in the field on winter wheat. So excited about continuing that resource. Another thing, if you want to be pushed information uh, versus being more passive where you have to go there on your own, I do have a, an email listserv called What's Up This Week. Play on words for What's Up This Week. I have about 200 people on that listserv. So I send that out about every two weeks during the growing season. So that'll start up here in, in March again. And then excited about the growing season. 
Melissa has been a part of contributing to this effort, but we do track stripe and leaf rust, which are two major pathogens in winter wheat across the state of Nebraska. So I lead that effort, but also work with Kyle Broderick in our plant and path diagnostic lab, as well as Stephen Magulo, our small grains pathologist. Look for that. K-State does something similar. So I did borrow the idea from them. And so we definitely here in the Southern counties where I'm at, bordering Kansas, I definitely look at what's going on for Kansas as a warning track. But when we start seeing here in the Southern tier of counties, that's the, the kind of the notification for people, Lincoln, Seward, Butler, to be looking for stripe and, and leaf rust as well. And so that'll be posted on CropWatch weekly during the growing season. So excited about that effort. And then the summer, man, things fly by. We'll have on June 9th, we'll have the winter wheat variety tour. That'll be down at Fairbury here for kind of Southeast, South Central Nebraska. So that's a regional winter wheat variety field day. And then another effort that'll happen after we have wheat harvest is we'll start planning for next year already. And actually there's less time between wheat harvest and wheat planting than there is in corn and soybeans. And so we go from harvesting wheat in July to thinking about planting, you know, ideas already in August. So September 1st in Creek, Nebraska, we'll have the Southeast Nebraska Alfalfa and Winter Wheat Expo. And so excited about that effort. You were part of that program last year, and you're going to be partnering with me on that again. And we had a great turnout and discussion there. So look forward to expanding that program as we definitely have had more acres and new winter wheat growers coming into the market here this past year. Great. So there's a bunch of things coming up already planned out. And like Nathan said, you can find that on his website at Crop Tech Cafe. And it'll also be on CropWatch, cropwatch.unl.edu. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope everyone has a great winter season. <laughs>